You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it is amazing to see you here where you are challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities that you may be unfamiliar with to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So um, I'm actually going to pop in today a dialogue that I had with India Jackson of India Jackson Artistry and we always have such great dialogue so I really love being able to share those conversations with you because conversation to me is something that there's nothing better than when it segues into like five different places and that was not what you were trying to do with it because that means that it took a life of its own you got comfortable you fell into it and you let it happen you let it be organic and there's something just you you can't replace that and you can't create it you can have conversation and and talk but when things just flow it's a very different thing And we had a really great conversation on a few different things. And we touched on things like um, respectability politics and how, for me, the problem with that is it is a form of systemic racism. And what's so bad about it is that it is sometimes perpetrated by the people that it is actually created to limit. And um, respectability politics is kind of this thing of, oh, well, you are filling a blank of any kind of marginalized group. In order to be acceptable, you need to be filling the blank of things that are typically the opposite of what they are or are considered, and I'm doing air quotes here, to be white or, you know, in which case that then makes it more acceptable because it's not a black person doing it. It's not a Hispanic person doing it. It's not a gay person doing it. It's not a trans person doing it. These things that are not considered acceptable, again, those air quotes, um, because it's not packaged the way that some people think it should be. So um, talking about that, I want you to kind of just consider what that can look like and how that may pop up in places. And I want you to begin to learn how to spot those things. Um, 
and talk about what it is to have these experiences and these desires to do things, but yet your experiences are limited because of what you look like or where you live, the time that you were born, things like that. And how these underlying generational stories or beliefs that are given to you can create this mindset that you then have to go back and deprogram yourself. And in being able to recognize it, it can make it slightly easier because I don't really believe that it's an easy thing. And I even speak from experience for myself and the conversations that I have of people agreeing with that. Um, but at least being able to spot it means that it is more likely that you can say, I see what this is. I don't want to subscribe to it because it does not serve me. It is not um, aligned with my beliefs and my values. And I need to put in something that is going to actually serve me and that I can actually work with in my life versus there's all these shoulds that were given to me and I don't want them. So there's a few different places that it goes. This is what happens here a lot. But I want you to hear what we're talking about. And I want you to take that as a cue of some things to go have conversations about, some questions that you could ask. Because I think that, for example, at one point we talk about some of the stories that we were given uh, growing up around what it looks like to move into the workforce and job versus career and things like that. And I think that if you are a business owner, an entrepreneur, and you are in a position to use your privilege uh, to support others, then being able to understand what they came from and kind of the stories that they were given that could shape how they move forward. That's something that you need to have. You need to understand what that starting place is because that goes back to equity. If you're not starting from the same place, then that means that as you try to get to the same place, you're not given a level playing field to get there. So take the time to consider some things that you can ask to be able to make impact with your privilege and start with conversation. So I will go ahead and let you guys listen in. And as always, I really like when you come over to Instagram and tell me your takeaways. It, it means the world to know what you're thinking and feeling about what you're hearing and tell me what you want to know about. So here we go. And we are back. And last time we were talking about respectability politics and how race, gender, and class can kind of play into it. But we kind of hit this note of having the space to be able to honor yourself and how you can actually do that in life, um, despite being told what you should do or what you shouldn't do. And I think that there's something to be said about when you are in a, a marginalized group and how it is less than easy to be able to show up as you and to not fall prey to some of these respectability um, politics. So as a woman of color um, and, a, and a hairstylist, you know, for years being behind the chair, having to have conversations with people about 
how you know they wanted to not relax their hair anymore but they also were not willing to feel less than qualified it worked or have their authority undermined because all of a sudden now your hair is curly or, or kinky versus straight and somebody has now decided that you are now deemed unworthy or unprofessional and that's just one really prominent example of um, the respectability politics, but also how it is very challenging to live authentically within a space um, that you can create for yourself to be yourself within the world that we live in. Um, I think that's a big one to hear about hair. One of the things coming up for me is that until I started coming to you as a client, because we'd already worked together with you being the makeup artist and hairstylist for shoots for my brand, but um, when I actually started coming to you as a hair client, I think at that point in my life, I had never seen my natural hair, like texture ever, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> which is crazy to even think of now because I was into my 20s, you know, and I didn't know what my hair looked like. I had never been without a relaxer. Um, and I, I think that there's one side of it is, you know, it can really be put on women of color specifically that your hair, well, men of color too, that your hair needs to be short and well kept from the men, but for women that your hair has to be straight or wavy. It can't be this kinky curly wild thing that we naturally sometimes have um, from outside looking into our community. But then also after generation after generation of putting that on to us, you know, we then deliver it to our own people to a degree to make them feel like, well, this is what you need to do to be presentable for a job or presentable for school or university or modeling or whatever it is that you want to do. Um, we're kind of policing ourselves if we're not careful with that. And that's where, you know, that whole respectability politics comes in and an easy way that you can do a little research if you want to kind of see how this shows up is there was a story recently of a teacher in Houston passing uh, this law to say that these parents of high schoolers could not come in. She gave a laundry list of things that, oh, you can't come if you were dressed any of these ways. And it, it came off very classist, it came off very elitist, but it was also um, sadly a great example of respectability politics and this limiting of saying that you can't show up unless you show up this way despite the fact that these parents were simply doing what they needed to for their kids. And because they didn't look the way that she felt as though that they should have, she passed judgment on that. Now, this is not necessarily to even reach the whole concept of, well, you know, if you're going to leave the house, you should look X, Y, Z way, blah, blah, blah. That's a very different thing. Um, but I think when you are looking at these stigmas that are passed down generationally, these stories, and then we start policing ourselves, and then a lot of it is feeding into what mainstream society says that you should or should not do. Therefore, you're now giving cannon fodder for somebody to judge you before you've even done anything. And it doesn't necessarily decide your character that's a really tough thing. And that's why for a lot of people, I think sometimes it's easier to simply just acclimate and go with it than to go against it because 
you may be fighting an uphill battle and some battles are a little harder to win than others. I was talking to a client um, and her husband was telling me about how when he was in uh, high school, he, he always wanted to play uh, golf. And it was because I asked him, you know, you, you love golf. You know, when did you start playing or, you know, how long have you been playing? And he's like, well, I wanted to play in high school, but I couldn't because I was black and black players were not allowed on the golf course with the white players. Like you just couldn't go. You were, you weren't white. You couldn't go. And when he was able to finally play at some point, you know, he would find ways that he could go and, you know, you hope he didn't get in trouble, but then eventually, you know, he could, and it's something that um, he really enjoys and he's loved it for the majority of his life. But, you know, it was assumed that, Oh, well, you don't want to play golf or, they don't play golf. Black people don't do golf. Correct. Tiger <laughs> Woods is not the only one. I'm sorry to tell you. He's not. And so there was just this generational story around it. And so he couldn't do something that he wanted to because of it. And it's just very interesting to me to kind of see these parallels between the respectability politics and the assumption of what someone is or isn't based on what they look like. If someone shows up uh, to drop off their kids, if you have one person that's white and one person that's black, and it's a black man that has on jeans and a, 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 a tank top um, undershirt, which are called wife beaters. You have to look it up if you don't know, <laughs> I'm not going there. But, you know, wife beater. And then you have a white woman that has a messy top knot and yoga pants on. Both of those parents showed up. But if you look at those two individual parents and you would judge them differently, well, this is the exact underlying issue. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because um, one of the things that you touched on earlier was giving space to kind of figure out and sort through these things of your ideas of how you show up versus other people's ideas. And I can only say for me as a woman of color, I feel like I was never even told that that was an option in my upbringing and in the other people of color around me. Because, you know, coming from all the challenges that just come with being lower income or the challenges that come with being of color, and I don't know where one is in one category and one's in the other category, mm -hmm. but it's the hustle mentality of like, you gotta make money you got to get good grades in school. You got to get through college if that's even an option, you know, and you got to stay on the hustle. It's always one thing after the next. There's no such thing as space. It's like, and it's so weird to now be at a place where we are being exposed to new kinds of people. And a lot of what we're learning about entrepreneurship and stepping into the leadership role of being a CEO is a lot about taking the space to figure out who you are, what you're doing and why you're doing it. So you can be more intentional. But that is going completely against everything that people of color, in my opinion, are given. Because we're like, space? What space? Like, you better get this thing done. Hustle. You need to make this money. What Hustle are. life. Like, Well, and yes, there are definitely some uh, pieces of a framework or mindset that in the very beginning felt counterintuitive to me because mm -hmm. it went against what I was given um and what i think is definitely the mentality 
that is given through movies or media or even if you look at social media sometimes it's this whole like you know hustle hard blah 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 and you'll see that in business across the board which is not healthy but you'll see it but you definitely see that with um within communities of color and so when i began to hear people within some of these business communities that were white saying things like you know i just took some time and I just kind of went away for a few days and I just really gave myself, you know, space to think. And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> That's an option. I didn't know that was a thing. And that concept of, I am trying to figure this out. And if I push too hard, I'm not going to figure it out. I have to allow my space, myself space to figure this out. That concept of space somehow based on the programming that I was given, I'm going to call it what it is programming. It, sounded like laziness that was what it translated yes. to because that concept of you know i had to i had to just step out of my business today to take a break if i translated that into what i was given growing up in the early 20s when i would regularly have three jobs it was so you you mean you just stayed home and didn't make any money and there was nothing wrong with you you better go to work because <laughs> that wasn't an option but if you but if you look at it from a place of now for me if i you know know a little differently and know better because i would hope <laughs> that i think i know better but it's the whole like number one i'm working too many jobs because i'm not working for enough money yep and i'm working a job i am not trying to get a career and so there's a lot of pieces of that that i have to look at but at the same time it's just this working hard but then what are you working hard for what's the goal what are we trying to get to what's the underlying thing here and when you're trying to do these things and you will burn yourself out mentally physically and emotionally and we have not even considered like stopping for a second it's like are you good are you okay like can you can you do this because mental health is not considered and it is a badge of honor to burn out it is a badge of honor to, yes. to say look at what i did i worked so hard and i worked for 23 hours straight and this is to be admired no your ass is tired i don't admire <laughs> i do not <laughs> admire these things but having that work ethic of push 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 was given but for people of color especially as a black person it is given because there is this i can't call it a stigma because i do believe that in a lot of ways it is absolutely correct and there are some statistics that will prove it i have to work twice as hard to be considered half as good yes i said it out loud yes that is a very big one um and i think the crazy thing is to audience that doesn't know enough about us just yet we were raised very differently you know and i'm 32 we're two different ages <laughs> i am 39 i am i will be 40 this year yeah and the crazy thing to me is being raised differently you know having very different kinds of parents and still the message which i have to tie back to being a color was the same is like hustle is a badge of honor hustle is 
looked at as this grandiose thing to achieve. Oh yeah. Yeah, girl, he's a hustler or she's a hustler. Like that's such, I mean, you even think about not to bring celebrities into it, but you know, Beyonce and Jay-Z like made hustling this beautiful thing that everybody wants to now do. So then to step into a space where you don't know what you don't know, and you're starting to see how people who have achieved a different level of success, who have put themselves in a different type of circle that don't look like us have been in. And it's like, oh no, the last thing they want to do is hustle. Their marketing is all about getting out of the hustle. Correct. Well, and it's funny, (laughs) even going back to the whole, you know, Beyonce again, with um, Homecoming, her special that's on Netflix, she mentioned in there that there was a point when she could um, rehearse 15 hours a day and do all these things. But she's like, now I have have three kids. I have other things that I want to do and I can't do those things anymore. So her priorities have shifted and she has now decided that what I could do when it was just me, I cannot now do when I have a family that I want to be able to emotionally invest myself in. And yet, you know, I grew up with a, a, a mother that was a single parent that just worked a stupid amount of hours because, well, what else do you do? And then granted, there are times where you, you, you got to, like you, things happen and circumstances happen and you just have to do what you have to do. But not doing that was never a consideration. So hitting this point of, I know what is good and what is not good for me. And a lot of it comes through trial and error, but learning like, yeah, I can see how at some point in my life I could do this. And maybe I even thought that it was admirable, but I now know different and I know better and I want to do better. And part of it comes with age part of it definitely comes with and for me at least it came with being a parent and and a wife and all those kinds of things that came up but then just knowing that you don't have to do this thing of you know I leave a job working 40 hours to go work 60 for myself I don't have to do that I think a big thing that comes up for me in this conversation is just kind of breaking down that a lot of people of color are so far in the weeds that they're just trying to dig themselves out of the crab barrel. And when you are at that place, you know, both you and the people that raise you, they're not thinking about asking the challenging questions of why am I hustling? What am I hustling for? It's just, let's just get out of the freaking boiling pot of hot water as the crabs. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that that transition starts to happen again when you are able to take a step back and give yourself the space and preferably from a place of clarity and not from a place of I've burnt out or I'm about to have a mental breakdown Mm -hmm. to say, what do I want to achieve in the long term? And what's the smartest way to get there instead of just working hard? Right. And the other thing that, you know, is also kind of acknowledging the fact that in saying I want to work differently and I want to work smarter and not so hard, do you still, are you still able to find a space in there to be able to even question on a basic level, why does my amount of working hard not equal the working hard of my white counterparts? Yes. Why is there a difference there? What is it that makes mine equate differently than yours or what is it that maybe you were given 
knowledge base was that changed things for you or, or, you know, network or access or any of these things. Again, that now comes back to some of it is class. Um, it, it, it could be culture and it, it's definitely race in, in some of these cases, but you know, I'm now trying to do different, but I'm not even getting the space to be able to say, even with me doing different, my different still doesn't equal your different. And so when you have people that are trying to step up and do differently for themselves and the next generation, you still are now trying to find that space to be like, well, why the hell is this still a big gap? Yes. Why do I still feel like no matter how much I bring to the table that's better or equal to my counterparts, I'm not getting the same amount of opportunities. Mm -hmm. Or what I'm doing isn't going to be regarded in the same light as some of my white counterparts. And it's, it's very challenging to feel as though you have done the things that you were supposed to do, yet you still can't get the things that you should be receiving. Yeah. And it is a very difficult thing to not allow that to create uh, sort of a mindfuck of, oh, well, you're not good enough, so you're never going to get those things. Or these things are not things that you are deserving of or entitled to. You have not earned these things. Any of the, the dialogue or stories that can be put on it, you know, what does it look like to say, I'm going to work my ass off and do this, yet I'm still ranked behind you and figuring out how to not mentally put yourself there because now it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't want to assume that this is what's happening, but damn it, I'm not blind either. Yeah, that's a tough one to really still show up with a certain level of self-confidence, um, self-awareness, and self-worth that I don't think, you know, culturally is given to us. And to work very hard for the same roles, positions, and opportunities and to not get the same pay, to not get the same level of amount of closing or percentage of jobs that you close on if you're a contractor or a freelancer, and yet still say to yourself that this doesn't have anything to do with my value. And that's before you even consider if you're a Black woman in yeah. that situation. So now you have being um, a minority on two different levels intersecting and what this can look like. And this is where it's so important to me for the women that don't look like me to have conversations with women that do look like me to be able to understand these things so that if you are an entrepreneur that is designing something um, for women entrepreneurs or women entrepreneurs can benefit from what you have or they can um, somehow be supported by what you do, understanding what some of these challenges look like, understanding some of that programming that people are trying to overcome and throw out and rebuild better, more supportive thought processes around things and what, what these unique challenges are. You can't support someone when you don't know why you're supporting them, why they need the support, where the support is so important and the difference that it can make. And if you're not having these conversations for somebody to be able to tell you these things, you don't know. And you might even realize that there's things in there where it's like, okay, there's some of these things that I got. Because while I might not have grown up, you know, Black, I grew up poor. So this is where mine is. So there's a lot of space 
to be able to have connection when you can figure out what's similar. But then when you figure out what is different, then it gives you an opportunity as someone that has a platform or does have privilege to say, I want to begin to let this not have to be something that continues another generation. What can I do differently from where I am? Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. And of course, that's one that I think we can talk about multiple times. So that'll definitely come up again. But um, as always, I appreciate having India here to kind of help rein me in (laughs) and give her a point of view. Thank you, Erica. Pause on the Play is one iteration of how we use conversation to create connection. Our one-on-one calls is another. This is where you can get support on how your beliefs and values around diversity, equity, and inclusion are showing up for your business, how you vote with your dollars, how you are sharing your message to let people know that you curated a space with them in mind, that you want to talk with them and hold space for them to have a seat at the table. Hop on over to ericacorday.com today and register for a complimentary tea time chat. These are our connection calls. So we can hop on, discuss your needs, and create a plan of action that's personalized for your brand to further its evolution. The conversations we have here are to normalize the challenging things and make them a part of your normal exchanges. This is how we remove stigma and create real change and connection cross lines and recreate boundaries to support not separate if you enjoyed this podcast show me some love by subscribing sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review reviews are the fuel to keep the podcast engine going let's get more people dropping the veil and challenging their thoughts feelings and actions Speaking of keeping it going, if you don't already follow and engage with us over on Instagram at Erica Corday, come on over there and do that. I really want to talk with you, so DM me and let's do this. I love being here and creating the bridge for you to walk over to become the change that you want to see. So join us next time, and until then, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?